Hey everyone, this is the Pixelated Podcast and you're listening to your host Kevin Sebastian from ITP.net and Nicole Pereira from Digital Studio where we discuss and talk about the latest tech trends and we have a bit of back and forth about what, what consumers should be concerned about in terms of Middle Eastern locally relevant topics on the tech scene and of course new global technologies that are coming out in the region. So you had, and I'm very jealous of you, Nicol, when you told me this, like you had a very wonderful brief interaction with the man himself, Andy Serkis. Yeah. How did that go? I doorstepped him at IBC, which happened in Amsterdam uh, a couple of months ago. And he was doing a keynote on basically himself and profiling uh, all the things that he's done ever since he played Gollum um, to King Kong and everything in between. Um obviously Ulysses Claw as well. So I doorstepped him after the after the keynote and I asked him uh, if he w- would like to sit down with Digital Studio Middle East and that piqued his interest because um, as I learned later, he has got Middle Eastern roots. So Serkis' father was of Armenian-Iraqi origin. Um, he was born in the UK, but Andy Serkis uh, moved back and forth during the summer to Iraq where his father was building a lot of hospitals and that sort of thing. So he was really excited and his, he he was pumped to talk to Digital Studio Middle East. That was even our cover for the October edition. And that's how I came in contact with him at, at IBC. Right. And um, obviously he's known a lot for doing a lot of things by himself, especially... Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the last film I saw by him was Jungle Book, which I didn't like so much, but I loved him in Planet of the Apes. Yeah. And a lot of what he does is a, lo- a lot of method acting in terms of the digital... You know, it's digital. It's the CGI we're talking about mm. with the characters he plays. Um, with the exception of the Marvel films where he plays where he, where he plays an actual real-life Himself, character. Yeah. He's, been, he's dabbled a lot into motion capture, into uh, cinematic storytelling digitally. Yeah. So, like... Uh, which begs the question to see now because and this is another question like I can bring in like, a few thoughts of mine as well because Hideo Kojima the mm. Japanese game designer formerly with Konami now started his own production called Kojima Productions and they released a game with The Walking Dead's Norman Reedus oh yeah and a few other very very A-list char- characters in a video game in a video game yeah and where do you see this going now? I mean that's the thing I would like to credit Andy Serkis with a lot that's happened in motion capture. And in fact, he's coined the the future of motion capture and he's calling it performance capture. Uh, let's remember, Andy Serkis uh, is a theater actor. He's done a lot of stuff. He used to do, I think at one point, 14 uh, theater productions before he caught a call from uh, the director of The Lord of the Rings to play Gollum. So he's a proper Shakespearean guy. He can do his monologues and everything. Now, that's the kind of quality and skill you have and if you want to translate that onto the big screen, yes, it's been done. But then imagine translating all that skill as an actor onto motion capture. And what Serkis told me, uh, what Mr. Serkis told me a lot during the interaction and even in his keynote was capturing facial expressions. Yep. He gave an example of uh, Bagheera the Panther. You mentioned um, the, I was going to say it's the Jungle Book, but yeah, obviously uh, the one that they did. Now, Kristen Bale plays Bagheera the panther. And if you see Bagheera's reactions or his facial expressions as a panther, now that is all Kristen Bale's reactions. Um, Serkis is a bit uh, paranoid now, or he's OCD about capturing facial expressions on a character 
uh, real time. I think what we've achieved brilliantly with performance capture is we've seen bipedal characters or bipedal beings such as you and me play quadrupeds um, such as Bagheera the panther. So human beings playing, uh, you know, two-legged beings playing four-legged beings or, or aliens or whatever. Now, the next thing what we need to see, and apparently this is where uh, the industry is looking for the next breakthrough, is capturing performance or capturing facial expressions real time. And um, a lot of the advancements have happened thanks to video game engines such as uh, Unreal and Unity. Yep. And Andy Serkis spoke about working with these two companies in particular about capturing, uh, you know, all the other movements, muscle movements. For example, when they did Gollum uh, in 99, 2000, they did not have the kind of technology they had today, which means they had to physically draw in the muscle movements and, you know, movements of the back. Obviously, Andy Serkis does not have a hunched back in real life. He's not three foot something in real life. Um, but he did act like that. Yeah, he did. But imagine getting all the body movements that you need to when you are that short and you're that hunched and you know you're that guilty about something so that a lot had to be drawn in so what i'm trying to say is to do a golem 20 years back took them a lot of time as compared to doing uh bagheera the panther today so that's where the industry is moving that's i think a very very interesting uh standpoint that we are at at this point in the um, in the movie industry and obviously it's gotten a bit more mainstream now thanks to will smith uh, after Gemini Man because that's again a performance capture movie and yeah. he's famously come out saying I don't know if you've heard this um, in the news but he's famously come out saying he wants to play a young Will Smith along with a young Marlon Brando and I'm like okay but Andy Serkis already said this to me and he's already said this out in you know in different other interviews where a young uh, whoever can be played uh, thanks to performance capture so we're seeing a, a an absolute snowballing of the of the technology. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things again, like, I remember showing you the trailer for Death Stranding, the Kojima game as yeah, well. Yeah, you did. And Del Toro is in there as well. So we're looking at storytelling aside. Like, um, one of the things about Death Stranding you should know is that when you play video games, it's a different different scenario entirely because you're mm-hmm. interacting with the environment. But Generally, you have a cutscene that comes in with any video game, with any story, which is basically for like two minutes or three minutes to understand what's going on. And then you're jumping into the game. With Kojima's games, however, you're talking about watching a 30 minute cutscene mm. and then jumping into the game. So this is more of a storytelling thing. But now the reason why I'm bringing this up is because all of this is motion capture. Every yeah. single thing is like the character's who are in the story are pretty much using motion capture to tell you a story without you interacting. So you're basically like, you're having a chore to do. Hmm. So my question to you now, more or less, like we've seen this with Avatar. We've seen this with a lot of the other movies that have come out. In fact, a lot of the video, a lot of the video game industry uses mocap technology generally to do storytelling, yeah. especially when it comes to this. How much is too much, you know? Like, at what point do we say stop, use actual real characters? Like, do we will we ever be in a situation where we will both see live action and motion capture the way we see it with Marvel, with the Marvel films? and In uh, a video game, you mean? No, generally, generally, in general, generally, yeah. like, I'm talking about, now I'm talking about mainstream entertainment here. Yeah. So cinemas can, because they have the operating budgets to do that. Yeah. But Disney now with the streaming service, Disney Plus, and uh, there's something called Pixar in real life. Yeah. 
where they're going to be putting actual Pixar characters like Wally in real time environments. Oh wow. And we're getting real time interactions as yeah. well. Like where do you see where, where what are your opinions on stuff like that for example? I think sky is the limit. See I'll I'll go back to I'll, okay I'll I'll use two examples. I've been a gamer not as much in recent years as compared to my my younger days, my formative years. Um I've been a gamer where I played um I played the early Fifas. I played FIFA pre 2000. I played the NFSs from right from NFS Porsche right up to uh, Underground, Underground 2, um Most Wanted, Carbon and all of those. Now, one thing what really stood out in Most Wanted was the introduction of characters like you they are physically interacting with you and it's it, it almost felt surreal because you have a cop who's supposed to be a good cop and you're supposed to be a guy on the run and you know he comes and he pinstripes your car and it hurts you physically because you can hear that pinstripe you know he takes a key and pinstripes your car um and you feel oh wow what if i could interact with that character what if i could see uh, more more facial expressions of Brooke Burke when she's you know sort of going through a nam showing my age with the knowledge of all these characters but at some point when you saw that so picture me who's sort of stuck in that bubble of pre 2010 gaming uh and now somebody like you yourself who's continued gaming through uh the last decade or so and you've seen games where all the characters are physically interactable they they're a bit more 3d if i might say they're not been shot on a green screen just a green screen they're now uh, a lot more life like you can move the your your mouse or your controller and go around and look at them i think it's it's great because at that point of time when i was gaming i felt that was a bit of a gimmick to just see a character speaking to you and you're sort of responding to them but you're not actually physically responding to them and that's all recorded at some point of the at some point of the story you realize that you're not physically now having a role in this you're just playing the next race you're just you know going down the next track or or whatever and to look at it from another point of view to give you an example what Andy Serkis gave he narrated an incident that he um that he shared with Michael B Jordan on the sets of the Black Panther um and he sat down with with Michael and asked him is it okay for him as a man uh of color uh to play George Washington and is it all right for Andy Serkis as a white man to play uh, Martin Luther King and Michael B Jordan said no obviously and it's not it's not like Andy Serkis was looking for any different kind of a response he just wanted to see where the industry is heading and what we are expecting of this technology just because it can be done it shouldn't be done i think there's a lot of responsibility and andy serki spoke about diversity um black panther showed the world opened the eyes of the entire industry of of having an entire uh, you know cast an entire black cast um and if you look at it from a point of okay i'll give you another andy serki's example he said there's no reason why um somebody who is who's on a wheelchair shouldn't be able to play a bipedal character um if the person is that talented if the actors are talented they should be able to do it so we need diversity in the industry right now so these things are progressing i think and we should remember that 
anybody can play any role you see we're very okay i'll i'll go back a bit old school in terms of uh, in terms of acting and theater it's fine for somebody to wear prosthetics and um stage makeup to look like a 95 year old man when you're a 25 year old guy that's accepted but somebody playing a slightly older character of themselves or a younger character is currently frowned upon a bit you're not going to win an award for it and that needs to change in the industry and performance capture or mocap can actually be an enabler in that so i really want to see i mean i think sky's the limit at this point i want to see how far this technology can go because it's responsible or there are responsible people like circus in the industry who are enforcing the the ethics of it if i may say so i want to see how far this can go i want to be able to see more uh, live action stuff that's actually cg for example the lion king i thoroughly loved it i thought it was um an absolute marvel in terms of no pun intended but other was a marvel in terms of uh, the screen capture getting the performances and and looking at something looking so lifelike but it's all cg i think that i've just been a, an evangelist of this ever since i've met people who've told me they've watched the lion king and i'm like hey do you know that was cg and that's not real life and that's for me that's fascinating to see their reactions yeah and um, again i have very different thoughts about linking as a story thinking but in terms of technology yeah completely blown away fascinating right it is yeah. like they were able to recreate actual animals and then give them somewhat human emotions to, uh, attached to them and another thing that a very interesting topic to divert from here is virtual reality hmm now virtual reality headsets are getting smaller they're getting better as with any technology that's any end of the day um how close do you think we are to a situation like say ready player one the movie i don't know if you've seen it i'm not seen it yeah so the idea is that our entire in- entertainment forms will be completely in virtual reality all you have to do is put a headset on and then you're into this world this giant world where you can basically enjoy in in terms of like say like a multi massively multiplayer online role playing game or whatever yeah like is that the next figurative entertainment media way for my no obviously we're digressing yeah, here a lot yeah. but we the way we're enjoying movies we go to a cinema to watch a film and then we have netflix we have all the streaming services around but the fact is we're so consumed with the media like the way we view things like and this is again coming from a person who's been in the gaming scenario like what if you are the movie like given the way cg is and the ga- yeah. the way virtual reality is going right now the ability to put yourself in the media you enjoy what do you think i mean i'll i'll give you my views but okay there's um a broadcaster who is going to actually uh dabble with this idea of uh, having a virtual uh, uh, experience while you're at a live stadium so what's going to happen essentially here is you having the illusion that you're at a stadium watching a football match live whereas you're not actually physically there but all that action is being transmitted to your vr headset live you feel like you're interacting with the rest of the crowd um you feel like you can you can you can sort of cheer with the rest of the people uh, and all of that's happening real time and live which up until now has been quite difficult uh, because if you're again going to transmit in 4k now if you're going to talk virtual reality augmented reality you need to be transmitting in 4k otherwise it's a waste of the person's time you're not actually going to see that high quality resolution of of all the people around you and of the action that you're actually looking at so number one it has to be 4k 
Number two, the audio also has to be really distinct and really very uh, crisp and sharp. So you need a really good internet connection for that. Um, having said and done all of that, does that take away from the actual live experience? Now, I was a sports journalist in my initial days as a journalist. To be at a stadium is something completely different. What happens if all 60,000 people at a stadium decide to go virtual and not physically turn up for the match? Who are they going to interact with if that's going to be a live interaction? So, yeah, I mean, that's a gray area for me. I still don't have the answer. And at the, I think at this point, it's prudent for us to apologize to our listeners if we sound a bit slurry because we are freezing in this studio. But uh, yeah, so that's my view on, on the matter. Like, I'm a bit of an old-fashioned guy when it comes to sporting experiences i want to go physically enjoy that what do you think about it so it jitex has happened just last month yeah so ericsson demos is holding about 5k and the idea is that you can enjoy the f1 remotely you don't have to actually be there okay and given how i've been to the f1 in in person many mm. many times because you're seeing like people race like you see, you're sitting in one part of the track. Yeah. That's how Yas, Yas, Yas Arena is set up. And that's just generally how it is. You're going yeah. to see them for a few seconds at best. And you're going to see them on the TVs anyway to see track their progress. Now, what if you're in a room that lets you pick the driver's perspective and see where they oh, are? Oh, that's going to be cool. That's where they are, like yeah. how fast they're going, what is the engine speed, what is the... Um, the car stats the you're basically the driver you're almost. basically looking at from their perspective yeah. like you're in the hot seat mm. you're seeing it from their perspective and you're not even at the stadium you're just basically at some remote facility yeah where you have and again if you're an introvert then that's great because if you enjoy the f1 like this is like an ultimate way of enjoying it yeah because all you need to do is like you're basically plugged into like a 3d experience where you can you have a 360 camera that's on the car so you can see everything that's around the car yeah, I'm sure it can be a bit jarring to the human brain because you're seeing someone go really, really fast in a 360 degree environment. But then you're choosing to do that. As exactly. Well. Yeah. I mean, you have to mentally like be ready to like adjust to that. Yeah. But that sounds like a way cooler proposition to me than paying, say, for example, 2000 dirhams for like a VIP seat. Hmm. Again, these are the Formula One has always been a premium experience. Like, again, yeah. I'm not taking away like whether it's expensive or not. But you're paying 2,000 dirhams, you're sitting there, you're seeing the track, you're seeing the guys basically come out on the track and you get to see them making that turn. And if, if it's not a divisive turn, if it's like a straight straight road where they go really, really quickly, you basically see them for like a few seconds in that minute in, on that track. As opposed to doing a complete 3D environment where you can switch between whatever driver you want so you can see exactly how they see the, the race. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say that yeah that's where we're going right now like uh example like um Dota 2 for example like the video yeah. game from Valve Valve has something called streamer mode where you can actually basically so it's a top down that's how it's basically structured like you see a game from an isometric view so you're seeing it from yeah. a bird's eye view now what if you see it from the player's view or the player's viewpoint Okay. And you're basically in a 3D environment and then that sounds like it it looks way more cool and it was actually done as well like people who had virtual, virtual reality headsets like the HTC Vive hmm. could actually zoom into the map. It was and also on Jitex. Yeah. yeah, it was also on Jitex as well. Yeah. Like we have games like Beat Saber where you're having exercise. You can actually exercise with virtual reality now. That's point. crazy. Like it what is. do you want to physically exercise? In fact, it's very dystopian when I say this. Like we're developing technology that puts us inside 
for longer periods of time now like mm. we're reaching the, like, i don't know if you've seen wally the movie no i haven't no it's just you should despicable for me who's the editor of digital studio <laughs> i should be watching that so <laughs> wally comes with the premise that everything's virtual reality and everything's done for you like there's robotics and mm. you don't even have to move yeah like okay. everything's done for you hand and foot literally like the chairs automated so you just have to sit what is our purpose of existence then i think this exactly. is exactly so, so you look at all of these technologies <laughs> and i know we're, div- we're diverging into philosophy at this point but the idea is that our entertainment forms and our technology while it makes us better yeah it is actually changing the course of human evolution as well and to bring it all back to performance capture or storytelling um what what's your views on on performance capture and storytelling from that sense where you don't have like people know Andy Serkis as ah oh, that guy who played Colum he's that bloke who's famous for not actually showing his face on screen yeah um but still there's a lot of uh, you know i mean if you speak to Andy you would know that he takes acting very seriously even up until now but what do you think like i mean you are an avid movie goa you you've watched most of the franchises you don't have a particular favorite franchise you watch it all as it comes you're non biased yeah. what what do you think of of how okay. the entire performance capture so game is so lion about? king and this is something that i will focus on a little and i might get a lot of hate for this now a lot of people oh. loved lion king because of the original film yeah it set aside a lot of movies because that is traditional hand drawn animation that was pretty much like there was a lot of emotion put into it that's og right if you it think is the it og now. and a lot of people let's face it like here's the thing disney made these disney are making all these remakes for newer audiences to buy into the disney franchise, franchise. Yeah. and the, disney being the giant monster of a marketing machine that they are that's what they're doing and they're doing it well mm. with the whole streaming services with star wars and stuff like that now lion king what really put me off is uh they the in the here's how I'm going to put it in one line this is basically national geographic makes the lion king like if you remember okay. national geographic back in the day used to do these dinosaur documentaries yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they basically and they were pretty cool to watch mm. because we were seeing dinosaurs and we'd never seen a real life dinosaur so we were all basically from jurassic park we're just going with what scientists have told these people in the animation and they've drawn like yeah maybe this is what they look like but we know how animals look like yeah now Uh, a very tri- very very poignant scene in Lion King is and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it please uh close your ears for 5 minutes uh when when Simba's when Mufasa dies yeah uh, the whole scene obviously like elicits a lot of emotions because i remember the even the soundtrack that played when that happened that moment the original in the 90s yeah. okay and and you can see Simba crying in the original one but in the new one he's just staring blankly because i mean we've never seen a lion cry willingly a volunteer yeah. now that emotion is lost upon you because at literally any given time especially with the way they made this film and first of all i have issues with the way they did a lot of things this felt like a documentary as opposed to okay. watching a movie so now you're, you're you're looking at two different things Did the cgi take away from the storytelling you could make that argument because they were focused so well on how it looked Yeah. They did not stop to think. Yeah, maybe it should look as hu- like it should be human as well. But at the end of the day, the only two animated characters for me in that entire film were Timon and Pumbaa, and that too is because they had like a wonderful casting for those two characters as well. Are you talking about the new one or the yeah, old the new one? one. Timon and Pumbaa, like when Timon does that singing bit, uh, you can actually see that there's some thought put into the character in the terms of his design. Yeah. Now. 
with Simba, with the lions, they all look the same. But you know the funny thing, it's and funny that you again, mentioned sorry, Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, let me, let me, so basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. lions look the same. <laughs> that, there's nothing wrong with that here. But you yeah. notice that in the cartoon, in the, in the hand-drawn animation, each lion looked unique. Yeah, well, that's because it's, it's animation, right? I mean, yeah. That's the whole point of it, don't you think? Like, but even um, the, the, the voice actors who did Timon and Pumbaa, um and as compared to the new ones they didn't do it as theatrical as theatrically done in 1994 it was yeah. a lot more um it, it was, was a lot more because you can't yeah. do that you know when you're not when you don't have those characters jump up and about and i don't know like make complete like fools of themselves yeah. you can't actually voice those characters in that way and i think that's what Seth Rogen um uh, also said that they couldn't actually they, they it is an ode to the past but they also had to know where their limitations were exactly and timon and pumba couldn't be as theatrical as it was in 1994 yeah because the line, the original one was more broadway it was more yeah it was more in the sense a dra- dramatized and it was like a, it was basically we're telling a story like a tale so you, do you so does that to an extent uh mean that performance capture or live action storytelling takes away from yeah performances so, so I I again it's a 50/50 thing right because jungle that's book That's fine that's your view. Exactly. Yeah, so it's a 50/50 it. thing because jungle book fantastic performance capture. Like yeah. In fact you could see the characters in there and the creatures they played. The sound by my man. Yeah. Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis. Now here's where what went wrong with jungle book especially for me is like because we are so used to the story which mm. we know the stories and Andy Serkis decided to take a very artistic no holds barred blank check take on what he did over there. So a lot of people are very used to seeing certain things. Like I think it's like, again it's like I I'm like again old fashioned like I don't believe in like seeing new things because seeing the characters play the ca- play the animals like you could see you could see Michael B Jordan clearly yeah. as a panther. <laughs> and, and a lot of people were like Christian Bale. Uncanny yeah. Valley here at this point because everyone's like I'm not sure what to think of this. Like I don't like it, I don't hate it, but something feels weird. So Lion King was one extreme jungle book was another extreme there was no middle ground here the middle ground was the animation as yeah. in the original animation because you could actually draw emotions onto screen now there's also talk of ai becoming actors now as well like we already know about the deep fake technology we know about that there's uh ai reporters as yeah. well yeah, yeah. artificial intelligence reporters who look very human like But when you That's look at them That's scary for us yeah Yeah when you look at them you can see that they are robotic in certain things because there are a bunch of code put yeah. together with nothing nothing powering them other than the fact that the code is powering them and the information is being fed to them from an external source Yeah So will that ev- will that ever be as genuine as a human human reaction or like basically a human performance Yeah up for debate uh, That is that is definitely up for debate definitely up for debate Yeah So uh to obviously we in closing you basically uh asked because he has middle eastern roots as well. Yeah. Does he have any plans to do anything here in this region? What do you think? You know funnily enough he told me he'd come to Dubai a few times yeah. and to our very good old friends for the diff. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd been to Dubai for the Dubai International Film Festival a few times and he toured a few of the facilities in and around Dubai. He couldn't remember the names but we're assuming it was studio city and yeah, production yeah. city and and that sort of thing and he saw a lot of productions actually in progress while he was visiting 
And he said to me, why not have a motion capture or performance capture studio here in Dubai? Like with Dubai talent yeah. or Middle Eastern talent. And he's well aware of what's going on in Saudi, the whole, uh, you know, the boom of media and theaters coming up there. And he said, he's very open to it. So, you know, um, we could soon see Andy Serkis performance capture studio based in Dubai Studio City. Exactly. And uh, the last Mission Impossible film, they filmed the skydive scene in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And like we have the, the technologies there. It's just I think I think it's just a matter of Hollywood pretty much like ut- fully utilizing or whatever whichever studios are around. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see the more of that in the coming years. Yeah, and he means what he says because he's been through this before. Don't forget when he did um when he did Lord of the Rings, uh, the entire cast and crew had to be flown over to New Zealand uh, because of the studio that was over there. I forget the name now. It's in the article, but I forget the name. So when he was doing a video game, the only option was to fly the entire cast and crew of the video game with his new company, The Imaginarium, uh, to New Zealand. And he said, hang on, why can't we have the motion capture studio in uh, the UK? And that's how The Imaginarium actually formally came about from being just a thought and an idea and an executionary of a video game it actually became a full-fledged studio uh, which produces a lot of um, work so they are very niche in the sense if the avengers want something to be done uh, they'll come to the imaginarium and talk to andy serkis so if there is a need and a want which we've seen through mission impossible and even star wars which was shot here if there is a performance capture studio here why would they actually need to go to Hollywood or, I don't know, some other country where the studio is there? They can all actually converge into Dubai. More reasons for people to come to Dubai. Absolutely. So, yeah. And on that note, uh, Nikhil, has been a very interesting talk on Absolutely. the Thanks production industry as well. Uh, stay tuned for the next podcast where we will be discussing more trends in technology and hopefully we'll be piquing your interest with what's coming up. And let's not forget, uh, as we close off this uh, conversation on motion capture, James Cameron is yet to make his uh, next uh, four films on the Avatar series. So uh, we'll be seeing a very interesting trend in the motion capture industry. Absolutely. Uh, with that, that's Nickel and myself signing off and uh, have a good one.